Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Real wolves are social creatures. They need and crave a group to belong to in order to survive and thrive. The same is true for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Now join host Henry Lake as he gets an inside look with another prominent member of the club. This is Life in the Pack. Welcome to another episode of the Life in the Pack podcast, where we talk to players past and present and executives with the Minnesota Timberwolves organization. I'm your host, Henry Lake, and today I get a chance to talk to my first ever favorite Minnesota Timberwolves player, who happens to be the first ever NBA draft pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves. His name is Jerome Poole Richardson. Poole, if you don't mind me calling you that, it's a pleasure to talk to you today on Life in the Pack. Oh, man, I don't mind that at all. <laughs> if you call me Jerome, I'll probably take it. It's a second take for me. <laughs> I hear you on that. <laughs> well, you know, every NBA fan, every year when it's time for the NBA draft, they get super excited for who their favorite team is going to select. And I was one of those kids, you know, knowing that my city, my state was getting a new NBA basketball team and wondering who we would select. With the 10th overall pick in the 1989 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves selected you. You were the first. Take me back to what that was like for you. Um, it was a great experience. You know, it's a, it was a, it was a little bit it was different because you were you know, I was going to a a newest a new organization which you know, haven't had a bunch of veterans as as you would say NBA veterans. Um, so it was it was more or less it was it's a little different. It was a little different, but it was fun because the fan participation and the players' interaction with the fans, um, a lot of the charitable stuff we were doing, getting into the communities, and uh, man, the, the fan support was just tremendous. Man, I, I um. You know, I, I got to say that's one of the better experiences I've ever had uh, with with basketball. Just period. I was gonna. Um, add- it, it might even it might even succeed the um, actual draft. For wow! Me. Wow! Yeah. Well, well I was yeah. gonna ask you about the excitement from the jump because I remember the night that you were drafted. Um, I was with my father. My father took me down because he knew I was super excited and super stoked about everything. He took me down to um, a draft party. And I do believe, if my memory serves me correctly, that it was at the Minneapolis Convention Center. They had a draft party there. And I remember just being hyped about it. I think I still have some of the memorabilia and some of the, the artifacts <laughs> and stuff from back in the day somewhere at my, at my pop's house. But, um, but I know as a kid, man, just knowing that we were going to have NBA basketball here with an expansion team, that that was going to be a lot of fun. But for you, 
you were a big name prospect and you have been a big name recruit for a for a long time. Was there any extra pressure that you put on yourself early in your NBA career with an expansion team just because of the high profile that you brought to the league? Oh, you know, no, not necessarily. You know, what happened was when I got drafted, I know that, you know, there was some, you know, I had a couple of interviews and I guess it was an assumption with some of them that I was, uh, that I was more or less like uh, overly confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it was overly confident. Now, if you look at what's going on today, um, you know, with the things that I, were, I was doing back then, people get to see what things have, how things evolve. Like for instance, I wasn't overly confident. I was just explaining to them when I got drafted when explaining to people who was interviewing me, the media, what have you, was that I spent since 18 years old, I spent at UCLA playing against professionals all summer long. Yep. I played against Magic. I played against Michael. I played against, I already played these guys. So yes, it was a wild effect when I was 18, but by the time I was 21 and ready to graduate from UCLA, you know, I had already understood how the game goes, who does who does what, what to expect, the physicality of the game, and also the fact that it's going to be a, a, a higher level because it's not summer. Now you're playing for real. So I understood that, and I knew I could I could raise my level up to that. I I knew that, but I think some people was reading that wrong. But when you go to a school like UCLA and, and the pros are at your school every day during the summer and you're playing against them, playing pickup and and they teaching you things, you learning things, that gets you on a fast track if you're good enough to be on the next level with the NBA. And that's that's what I was actually saying yeah. and trying to explain to them. But as a youngster, they took a little wrong and like, you know, <laughs> wanted to be out there. But yeah, I wanted to be out there playing. Nowadays guys don't even play. They don't I was complaining about coming out the game. These guys don't even want to play with take three or four days off. <laughs> And it can be misconstrued, too, because everybody should want somebody that's confident. You know, there's a difference between confidence and, and being arrogant and being cocky. So, yes, sir. Uh, you know, being yes, confident sir. is always something that uh, you appreciate and want in individuals in life, but specifically with professional athletes. We're talking to former Minnesota Timberwolves Jerome Poo Richardson here on the Life in the Pack podcast. And when I look back at some of the names in that draft pool, Glenn Rice, Sean Elliott, Danny Ferry, Nick Anderson, Purvis Ellison, who went first overall. Anybody in particular that you were good friends with leading up to the draft? Uh, well, Purvis, Purvis is a second cousin of mine. Uh, oh, wow. So Purvis, Purvis um, me, and, uh, me and Tim and BJ was really good friends. Me, Tim Hardaway, yep. and BJ, we were really good friends. And um, me and Mookie, Blaylock was cool as well. Um, when you when you in that in that draft class and all you guys are traveling around and playing in different all star teams and all star games and going to different camps, you get a chance to meet all the guys and you know and you 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 real you know keep it real formal and you just figure it out and then once everyone gets drafted, you develop relationships and when you come to my town, I'll come to yours or whatever and you know tell them what great places to eat or hang out and stuff like that. So. As the years went on, you start developing really, really good relationships that actually carry on into your life after basketball. You know, I had one of your teammates, Doug West, on the podcast last month. Mm-hmm. What was it like being a rookie with him? Uh, 
it was it was crazy because you know I know Doug because we we broke from the well I'm from Philadelphia he's from Altoona so yep. it's Pennsylvania so man man Doug had a chance to play together in the uh what they call the Keystone Games and uh, we also you know um, had the same agent which was Arn Tellum so man Doug and Doug went to school at Villanova which is in Philly so I knew a lot of guys on his coaching staff and guys on his team so man Doug was was real we was really good friends like since eleventh grade. Uh, it was, it was, it was crazy because, you know, Doug was a super athletic uh, player uh, who, who has some great experiences and has some great moments with us. You know, you know, unfortunately I, I you know, I, I wish he would have played more as, as a, as a rookie, mm-hmm. because I know he could have, he could have really, you know, put his footprint on, on the team as well. Yeah. The, uh, the Philadelphia Tribune called you quote, a basketball legend in Philadelphia. Uh, you were a McDonald's All-American. Um, you know, Pooh Richardson represented Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How in the heck did Walt Hazard get you to trade in the East Coast or the West Coast and attend UCLA? Well, you know, you know when you when you make decisions to go to school, uh, it's like, you know, hope no one gets mad at me. But is it, is when you make decisions to go to school or get married and who you marry and who you – because you marry in that school, right? Yep. So, so – you know, you 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 look at the, you know, the different factors and what you're trying to accomplish as a as a player. If you want to take this to the next level, and I I knew that UCLA was uh, known for basketball and and elevating guys and getting them into the professional ranks, um, and a lot of it had to do with um, the scheduling. You know, a lot of their their team, their, a lot of their games was on national TV. Uh, the team wasn't as good at that particular time but they still had so many national televised games. And if you want to be a professional basketball player at that particular time, you had to go to the big schools. You had to go to the UCLA's, the Kentucky's, the, you know, um, Duke, Carolina, you had to go to those kind of schools and um, not taking anything away from, you know, the schools that was recruiting me from home, like Temple, LaSalle and stuff like that. Uh, you, you go to a place like UCLA that has a, a heavy schedule, national schedule. Quite naturally, we have social media at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you go to a school like that where you know you're going to get coverage. And all you have to do is, is go out there and, and, and play. And if you play and play well, you'll get an opportunity to fulfill a dream if that's your dream in basketball. You know, yeah. so I, I chose to go to school there. And coach Hazard, actually a guy, a Philly guy, and assistant coach Andre McCarter, actually from Philly as well. He's from South Philly where I'm from. So it was almost like still playing for still being in Philly, but you, you in Los Angeles playing for guys who understand you and understand what you're trying to accomplish. That's a bucket list for me. Like I, I want to get out there for a game. Like you, you hear about the, you know, the pavilion, and everything. I just, I've never been, I, I've been to some cool places before I've been to Cameron indoor and I've been down to the Dean Center in, in, in Chapel Hill and some some other spots, Bloomington, Indiana. But I I want to get out there, man. That's it seems cool, man. It's, it, that's what it is, though. It's just cool. It's not like it's not like you know when you go to places how crazy it gets. It, they don't get that crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't even know if that cra- that kind of craziness is and and uh, is instilled in them. Right? They just everybody's just laid back and cool. They cheer and get excited just the student section, but if you look like the alumni section, they, they don't it, they just be they just mellow and everybody's just real cool, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you're gonna get the crazy 
that you might be looking for, but you'll get the cool atmosphere. That's for sure. I just want the genuine, you know, experience. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to be, you know, out of control, whatever that, because that ain't even my mood all the time anyway. I just want whatever it is, I just want to be a part of it. I just want to enjoy it. We're talking. Okay, you want showtime. You want showtime. <laughs> I'll take showtime. I'll take showtime. We're talking to former Minnesota Timberwolf Jerome Pruberson here on the Life in the Pack podcast. Uh, Poo, how would you describe your first NBA coach, Bill Musselman? Well, I, well for, first of all, a really a good coach. I mean, a good, good coach. Um, man, works his tail off. Uh, Detail oriented. Uh, I thought very aggressive and super loyal. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, he, he's the kind of guy, you know, you ever, you ever, you know, work for someone or, or, or play basketball for someone. And when you're playing for them, they just like, they always seem like they always under your skin. Yes. Yes. And yes, then, sir. and then when, then once you away and you start recognizing that this guy was like, uh, a super guy who was all detail oriented and super mm-hmm. loyal. So making that transition and understanding him, I mean, he was he was he was uh, he was a top notch coach for sure. Yeah, so he was one of those indiv- sure. he was one of those individuals that was always riding you, always on you, trying to bring the best out of you. But but when the game was over, you know that he had your back. Yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, me being a young, me, I was young as well, and I'm, you know, I was aggressive as well. So you know, we were sometimes we were, you know, bump heads, and you know, I didn't mind that. Yeah, he didn't mind it. And we, when he was, he was in Portland one day, and um, we was playing the uh, the, the Trailblazers, and he was uh, coaching there, and we started talking about you know the times we had in Minnesota, and. You know, he told me how it was a joy of coaching me. And I was like, you know, it was a joy playing for you and not it, you know, and a lot of times I said being young, I didn't recognize exactly what it is that you were trying to get out of me. Whatever it was, it was successful. And the second part of that, you know, what I, I always felt that guys who knew him well, that were that was some of the guys who played with him or against him in the CBA. Yeah. And they were on the team. I, I thought they could have helped me out a little bit to understand him a little bit more as well. But I, I get it. You know, they was trying to have a career themselves, having been, you know, um, exposed to the NBA, and they was getting their first opportunity. And I, and I get it. I understand it. Yeah. But I, I think, um, it, man, man, him, you know, we we understood each other, and it was it was really a great, it was really great to see him at that time and share some moments with him and, and talk to him. But yeah, he, he was, um, he was a very, I was very fond of him. He was really a good coach. Yeah. I, I, all right. So I'm going to take you back in the day a little bit. Okay. Uh, do you remember the first team that the Timberwolves defeated for their first win in franchise history? Of course, the 76ers. <laughs> That's right. November 10th, 1989 at the Metrodome. You beat the Philadelphia 76ers, 125-118 in overtime. I mean, how about that for the kid from Philly? Oh man, it was it was bittersweet, y'all. You know, <laughs> it, was bittersweet. it was bittersweet, but we 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 got one, and um, it was it was a great experience. You know, one of the goals that a coach used to set, Coach Musman used to set, is like, let's finish every year better than the other expansion teams. 
Um, of course, you had uh, Charlotte and Miami that was in a year before us. So we wanted to finish and had uh, all the expansion teams in Charlotte, Miami, Orlando. Uh, you know, we wanted to finish in front of them. And so that was that was the goals. And we went out and we played games. We played close games, but the lack of experience, uh, we will always, you know, fall in the fourth quarter, you know. So we had to get through that hump. And as we got better and as we had more experience, you know, we pulled out a few games. I, I got to ask you this, and I didn't even have this this thought earlier coming in or even in my notes or anything, but I got to ask you this. So, you know, when I look at, at, at my life in basketball and just covering and just being a kid, right, um, you know, clearly my favorite team is the Minnesota Timberwolves um, starting back in 1989. But but clearly leading up, you know, I've, I've been a Michael Jordan fan my entire life. But before mm-hmm. before yes. Jordan, though, man, it was the doc. Right. Yes. It was it was the doc. It was it was, you it know, was Moses doc. and fo fo fo. Right. So so you had the Philadelphia. Right, the yeah. Andrew Tony. I mean, I'd be telling people I'd be like, man, y'all don't remember Andrew Tony. So. You were right there in the mix, man. Like, yes, what, was that was that what you were all about at the time? As as like a young guy, kind of coming up to just looking at those Philadelphia seventy sixers teams and and then being one of the teams that everybody looked to in the league. Because at that time, as a kid, for me at least, in my eyes, the way that I viewed it, it was three teams. It was Philly, it was the Lakers, and it was Boston. Right. I mean, you just I just caught chills just now because. You know, where I lived was actually three miles away from the spectrum. Mm. And and I'm there, that's South Philly. So I used to walk to the games sometimes when I was able to get into the games. And, you know, I know at that time was um Dave Stern, I hope they don't, they don't get in trouble. I was sneaking in the games and <laughs> not not paying. Yeah. <laughs> but um we all did we all did back. Walk up to the game and sneak in the games and, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it was Doc. I remember when Doc first came in '76. Um, he had the uh, the knee the knee braces. I've never seen that before. You know, all the kids used to emulate that. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have the money, so we used to take socks. So you know, those long tube socks and cut them. Yep, and put holes in them and put slide them on our knees <laughs> like we <was> Doc. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, we 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 I mean, that experience. And um, as time went on, when I was in high school. And, and started making a name for myself. I had a chance to meet Doc, uh, you know, a guy, me, myself, being from Philly and and kind of making a name for myself there. Um, I had a chance to meet Docs and, and Mo Cheeks and Charles, you know, so I had a chance in Moses and, um, you know, started really developing, you know, a, a decent relationship with him, but not somewhere where, where I'm always around him or something like that. But, yeah. you know, when I would see them, at different camps or different functions, they would have a signing. I would come up to the signing and and you know chat with them a little bit and talk to them and stuff like that. And um, then going to UCLA, you know, become really close with Magic and, and Worthy and those guys. And one day James had a, a signing in Philly. I met, I met, I went up to the signing and met him. We hung out a little bit, went to lunch and all that other stuff, man. So you know, I I tried to you know not invade people's space. But yep. at the same time, acknowledge the fact that I do appreciate all the things that they have done for me and showed me and, and, and all the things they have taught me. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I love that. You just took me back in the day right there. But I want you to go under underneath the, the the surface here because this is something I didn't know. One of the things that I didn't know about uh, until I did some research was the relationship that you had with the late Kobe Bryant 
and his father, Joe. After your yeah. NBA career, you played a year in Milan at the request of them both. Uh, tell me tell me about that and your relationship with Kobe. Okay, well, it, it, it started it started um, as a, you know, like when I was young because I used to watch uh, Bean play, Joe. Yep. So, so I used to watch Bean, and I knew Bean's father, Big Joe. Uh, I knew Bean's brother-in-law, which is Chubby Cox, a really good player. Went to uni- went to Villanova, then University of San Francisco. Uh, he played with uh, Quentin Daly and Bill Cartwright and those guys. A lot of people didn't know that Chubby Cox, which is uh, Pamela Cox, is his sister, which is uh, Kobe's mom. Um, Chubby was one hell of a player. Mm. I mean, if Kobe, the gene that he got, his dad' athleticism combined with his uncle's skill, and then his own skill, I could see why he was special. Because you know, when his dad was coming out of school, his dad was very special as well, athletic, really knew the game. You know, at six eight, six nine, understood it. You know, really good people, good family. Um, so, as time went on, and you know, Kobe's a young guy, I'm hearing all these things about him and all this stuff. So he. He, he comes and he had a visit to do this agent thing when he was in high school. So he goes and um, he gets our agent, which is Arn Tellum, once again, another Philly guy. So Arn brings Kobe and say, you know, called me up, say, I want you to come to the office and uh, meet and, and, and hang out with the young guy. And I said, well, who are you talking about? He said, Kobe. I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll come down. Came out to the office. I talked to Kobe a little bit. We talked. He said he was going to be staying at the hotel for a couple of days looking for a place, you know, but, you know, he's still, he was 18, you know, he's 17, 18. So I was like, all right, well, you know, let's go to the gym. So I took him to a gym, worked out with him, uh, young kid, super athletic, skilled, uh, just loved to play. Just, I mean, just loved to play. And um, so Pam and Joe came out and they looked for a place and they wound up getting a place around the corner from me. So in the meantime, you know, I, when they were they were they didn't fly in to LA yet. So for the for the past like week or so, he would stay a lot of time at my house, and you know, I'll just like kind of look out after him because you know he's young young guy in LA, 17, 18 years old. You know, had different workouts, and you know, uh, of course Jerry West really loved him, but you know, I kind of kept the eye on him and. You know, he was he was at Santa Monica, Lowe's Hotel, and I would come get him and, and all that other stuff. Like you would do with most young guys that's from your town and and you know their parents and stuff like that. Yep. And then when Joe and them came and they got a house around the corner from from, from me in the in the Pacific Palisades area. So that went on and then of course he went with Arntel um and we had the relationship there and always stayed in contact. We always stayed in contact with each other. And you know, of course I was, you know, coming to the end of my career as he was starting really to excel in his career. And uh, when I was done, uh, Joe, Joe called me and uh, Cole called me and said, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we buying this team in Italy. Um, if you will come there, go there and check things out and, and be around for the year for that transition that we, we doing this team and, and, kind of play but kind of you know do some management stuff and kind of figure out who's who and who's what and what we need what we don't they they wanted you they wanted you to be player gm (laughs) yeah pretty much so i went down there and uh and i did that you know and and and, you know 
and rightfully so, you know, protecting their interests as much as possible. You know, the, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know, because yep. they're not living there. They're going back and forth. Well, Joe was going back and forth. Kobe was still playing. So, you know, it was kind of looking out for, for things and, and making sure that everything was, you know, handled the correct way, the way they wanted it. And and that's what that's what happened. That's what I did. Wow. that That's an amazing story. Um, and just to have that relationship with with uh, with Kobe and his family, I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you'll never, ever forget that. You know, w- when I first got into doing sports media, I made my name on the AU circuit. And so, like, nice. in, in different places around the country, so many individuals' names mean so much. So, like, here in Minnesota, Renee Pulley and his – his Nike yes. team, Howard Pulley, yes. is big, and he's been a yes. mentor, he's been a mentor to me. He he actually took me to my first Timberwolves game um, years ago. Good when it dude, was, yeah, great, very good man. Yep, very yep, good man. Yep, yep. Uh, Chicago Bulls versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, you go to Virginia, and everybody knows about Boo Williams, right? Just ask, yes. uh, just ask Alonzo Mourning and, and Allen Iverson. But when and I mean, Boo, Boo went to St. Joe's, and he spent a lot of time in Philly as well. Oh wow. Well, well, think about this. When I mention the name Sonny Hill. What comes yes. what comes to mind for you and for those out there that don't know the name? Explain his importance to basketball in Philly. Well, when you when you say when you say Sonny Hill, he was probably the engineer or the pioneer of Boo being Boo, uh, and I'm sure there was a blueprint that uh, that they started the Howard Pulley program. Sonny was a national from a national point of view, blueprint, but it wasn't AAU. Yep. Uh, see, see, let me just give you a quick synopsis of the, how everything went. Now, Now, Sonny had all his talent as young guys. You know, you can go on from me, Bo Kimball, Hank Gathers, uh, uh, Dallas Comedies, uh, Gene Banks, uh, uh, Joe Bryan. You know, you can go on and on, you know, with all the guy, Rasheed Wallace and, Aaron McKee, I mean, you, you can keep going on on Eddie Jones, all these guys playing in the Sunny Hill League. So theoretically, we didn't have to go outside of Philly to get the competition we needed to be better. So the games were at McGonagall Hall where Temple used to play. Coach Cheney was always be there. Uh, different coaches would come in. And you know, watch the games because there wouldn't be it wouldn't be a surprise one game you have me playing against you know uh, Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers and those guys and then watch uh, maybe a guy like a Dallas Comedies I don't know if people remember him to watch a guy like a, a Dallas Comedies going against uh, Nate Blackwell and guys like that guys who who really did well in college you know and of course Dallas was the top pick and went to uh, New Jersey Nets. And he was a DePaul product. But with that being said, you know, from Eddie Griffin, you know, of course the Wolves are familiar with him. Yep. Um, Eddie Griffin had a brother named have a brother named Marvin Powell, who was super athletic. Uh, he played as well. So, you know, I watched Rashi Wallace, I watched Dawn Staley, I watched all these, and they had not only the men's league, they had the ladies' league. So I watched all all them and they watched me, and we all kind of know each other as like a big huge family but they were having sections like for instance you have minister st paul will have a team maybe bloomington would have a team st louis park would have a team so it'd be all those teams but they all sections of philadelphia 
and and the people who live close by those sections would play for those particular teams. Wow. So imagine having so much talent in Philly and you had it all broken down in age groups and that stuff. And you had that since eighth grade. Yeah, it's it's just one of those deals where I feel like in all of these different cities, there's a godfather of basketball and Sonny Hill yes. seems to be like he was the godfather of basketball in Philadelphia. We're talking to Jerome Poo Richardson here on the Life in the Pack podcast. Just got a couple of more questions for for Poo here. And, uh, you know, we're just coming off the uh, NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, did you see any of the NBA All-Star Weekend recently? And I, I got to ask you, man, what are we going to do about the slam dunk contest? Because it just ain't the same. That just that was hard for me to watch. Yeah, you know, it was different because your top guys aren't aren't participating anymore. I don't know if it's because it's 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 truly a different wear and tear. Yeah. But you know, I was I was I was I was watching uh first take and I was watching with uh with uh what they kind of kind of proposed but didn't propose it officially. And I thought it was a great idea. I don't know if you guys heard it, but they were they were talking about having uh different cities have a guy who represent them in a slam dunk competition that it's not a pro that's oh, not in the NBA. Yeah, I get I so it's almost kind of like you could do the yeah, I've seen some of those situations where I don't want to say like and one mixtape, but you get what I'm saying like you have a kind of rotating tour so some some of those type of individuals that are just dunkers. Yeah, that they spend all their time jumping, dunking and doing all that stuff where you have like maybe um uh, Let's say a guy from Philly, well, Joel Embiid would sponsor that guy. Then it'd be a guy in Brooklyn that, you know, uh, KD would sponsor and I in L.A. that LeBron would sponsor or something like that. So everyone would have a guy, maybe, I don't know if it's 10, 10 contestants or whatever, but everyone would, would sponsor a guy, you know. Yep. And the guy may not, is, may, is not an NBA guy, but he's the guy that dunks. And like you see all these YouTuber dunking and, and all that stuff and all that Instagram, these guys be dunking and jumping all over the place. Yep. Then you then you bring some exciting some some excitement to the slam dunk situation because, you know, your NBA guys, you know, they truly seem like they don't want to participate in that stuff. And it used to be when you participated in it and you won it, like, or you finished second, or you 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 win by hair or something. Other opportunities would seem to come your way, like Gatorade opportunities and stuff. And I don't know if those opportunities are there anymore for the players. I don't even know if the players even want those opportunities no more <laughs> because the financial structure has changed. Yeah, yeah. So well, now you get guys who haven't, who, who's street street guys, not street guys for street guys, but guys who play street basketball that jumps and do all these crazy dunks. And then you can bring that to the masses through representation from the guys that's in the NBA. What is, what is Pooh Richardson up to these days? Are you raising kids? Are you a world traveler? What you been up to? Well, my kids are grown. Um, I, I spend now my time in an area called Palm Springs. If I don't know if you're familiar with Palm Springs. Um, Never been there, but, but, but know of it. You know of it, yeah. Well, you know, recently, well, not recently, but kind of the kids through social media made it more popular. Is that Coachella Fest? I live literally about fifteen minutes from Coachella. Oh wow! Okay, that's you know, what's I up. can actually, 
I get actually hear the music when they Yeah, I'm about to say you ro- you rocking you rocking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not really rocking out. I'm hearing them rock out. <laughs> but but anyway, so so with that being said, I spend time here. Um, I spend all my time here in Palm Springs. Um, I just picked up a little a new game. Uh, I, I don't know if it's if it's that nationally known yet, but I picked up. I, I played a little golf, but I like the pickleball thing. This pickleball. Oh, I thought you was, about to say Wordle. What's the name of it? Say again. I thought you were about to talk about the wordle, the 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 word, uh, the the word, the th- the the word puzzle uh, game that everybody's oh, been freaking out I, about. I, I don't even know that. One. See, I'm, <laughs> see, I'm on the late show. I'm on a late show, man. I'm, I'm on a late show. But, yeah, pickleball is uh, it's a big deal right now. It is okay. So I, I, I've been playing some of that, learning to play that. I uh, just started about a month ago. I've been going every day. I'm addicted to it uh, because the weather stays nice here all the time. You can go out and you can play, you know, because this the weather here, you know, now it's, it's been a little chilly, but weather here probably on the average about 85, yep. 80. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So that's what I've been doing. And I've been doing a lot of research with living out here, doing a lot of research because this is like more or less a retirement community, um, you know, so but living out here. I've been doing a lot of research with the uh, natural CBD stuff, you know, all the aches and pains that a lot of the senior citizens has and, and want to still be active and have a active lifestyle. So I've been doing a lot of research with that and, and, and coming up with certain products. That's, that's not, that's not harmful for yeah. them that, that can kind of help them with their aches and pains and sleeping and all the other stuff. So I've been, I've been pretty busy. That's awesome. All right. Two final things for you. And then we'll let you go. Uh, h- how much have you seen the current Timberwolves team play the last couple of years? Uh, when, when was the last time that you were in Minnesota? Um, well, I was in Minnesota the last time they brought us, brought me in from the, the pandemic, you know, since the pandemic hit, it was different, but I, I watched games. So I watched games and I was so happy that they, that they drafted Anthony Edwards. I mean, I was, I was, man, I was going crazy because I heard that they was thinking about not. And I was like, come on, man, you, you gotta get that kid. Hmm. You gotta get that kid. You know, it, it, it'll work out. Trust me. It'll work out. Um, of course, Big Cat, you know, just been keeping up with him. Um, D'Angelo, I, I was watching D'Angelo since he was uh, since he was young guy playing for Each One Teach One, which was a, a Florida-based AAU team that was in the EYBL. Um, so I had a chance to see him as a youngster. So I, I'm, I've been watching him and uh, Pat Bev there. So it, 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 I've been watching. I've been keeping my eye on him for sure. All right, yep. th- this is the final thing, and it's rapid-fire questions for you. And uh, just give me the first thing that comes to your mind uh, just real quick when I ask you the question. I think that we've already got the answer for My, my first one was going to be, what hobby have you picked up in the pandemic? And it sounds like you've already answered that with pickleball. <laughs> pickleball. Yeah, okay, pickleball. Uh, did you ever eat a Philly cheesesteak in your time in Minnesota, as in May yes. here? Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. Do you, you don't remember the place? Uh not quite remember the place, but I did try it. Okay. All right. What wasn't the same? Uh what so I started the- having them shipped in. <laughs> Sunny Hill was shipping them in for me. <laughs> Sunny Hill was shipping Philly cheesesteaks in for Philadelphia. All right. And, and the last question for you is who was the best trash talker that you faced in the league? Faced? Um uh, I would best, say be, no, be, yeah, no yeah. Reggie Miller, no Reggie Miller face Gary Payton. 
Ooh, okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. I hear you. Well, Pooh Bridgeson, man, it's been an honor. It's been a blast. Like I said before, man, you're legendary here. Our first uh, draft pick ever, you know, the point guard out of UCLA in Philadelphia. I appreciate your time here on the Life of the Pack podcast. Man, thanks for having me, man. Beautiful, man. I loved it. I loved it. Thanks for spending your time with me, man. All right. Take care. All right. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.